everyone, and welcome to the Girls with Vision podcast. This is a podcast in which we highlight the voices of young, influential women in the hopes to inspire the next generation of girls. Today's episode is with Caitlin Alifranca. She's the New York Times bestselling author of I Will Always Write Back. Thank you for coming on here and welcome to Girls with Vision. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, who you are and what is your book about? I will always write back. Well, I'm Caitlin Alifarenka. I'm one of the co-authors of the book, I Will Always Write Back. And I co-wrote this book with my pen pal, Martin Ganda, and our ghostwriter, Liz Welch. Our story is a true story about two friends growing up 10,000 miles away and just being kind to each other. Um, Martin and I started writing when I was in seventh grade. It was a project for school for Mrs. Miller's seventh grade English class. And I chose Zimbabwe because I knew nothing about it. I didn't even know where it was when I chose it. Not knowing that choice, that choice of going outside of my comfort zone, choosing something I knew nothing about would change our lives forever. So not only did it change my life and Martin's, but the lives of thousands of other people. So our story is our letters growing up together, 10,000 miles away. One chapter will be Martin in 1996. Another chapter would be Caitlin in 1996. And just our experiences together. Yeah, thank you so much. I think the story is really inspiring. So can you tell me a little bit about when you started writing it? Like how long ago exactly did you start writing it? And like how long did it take? So we started writing our book in 2012 is when we sat down to write it. Um, actually, what did we sit down? I'm going to scratch that part. So we sat down and started discussing it in 2010. Yes, and in 2012, we, um, we sat down with Liz Welch to write it, and it was published in 2015. So we, we just had a kind of a whirlwind of a couple of years. It was really fun. Um, the first day that we met with Liz Welch, um, I said to her, I'm so sorry. I just don't feel good today. I found out that night that my husband and I were expecting our first daughter. Um, so she was born in 2013. I had our second daughter in 2014. Our book was published in 2015, became a New York Times bestseller in 2016. So we had a whirlwind of a couple of years, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun um, writing this book. Yeah. So, I mean, I know you, I don't think you're an author like by profession, um, but like, so can you tell me a little bit about how you wrote, you know, this like big book without that kind of training? How is the process like? Sure. I mean, we always have a story to tell. Everybody has their own story to tell, right? And I am by no means an author by education. I went to college to be a nurse. I am a nurse to this day. I still work. Um, and when we, when we were approached about the story, um, Martin was holding a fundraiser for Zimbabwe in New York City. And another Zimbabwean American writer was there and said, hey, you have a really fantastic story. You guys should write a book about it. Um, and Martin called me the next day. He said, hey, sis, we, are, we have a, an agent. And I said, for what? And he said, because we're going to write a book. And I was like, Martin, I don't think we know the first thing about writing a book, right? <laughs> and he said, because he's the most positive person, he said, don't worry about it, sis. We'll figure it out. 
So our agent who was fantastic um, said, I know the perfect person to help you tell your story because we were a little apprehensive that neither one of us actually knew how to write a book. Um, and so we met with Liz Welch who was born and raised in the United States, grew up as a typical American teenager, but she also spent time in Zimbabwe um, volunteering at an orphanage. So Liz really understood both of our voices. She understood uh, the words for all of the feelings that I felt. And she understood what the ground felt like in Zimbabwe walking barefooted. So she really understood both of our voices. So what Liz would do is she would come to my house for a weekend and we would just sit all day long and have conversations. And she recorded all of those conversations and we went back and forth through all of my old notebooks, back and forth with friends, pictures, notes, letters, everything. She did the same with Martin. Uh, she, he was studying at Duke University when we were writing our story. And he, uh, so he was extremely busy with school. So she would go basically hold him hostage for a week and do the same thing with him, just question him and pull every bits and pieces out of his memory. Um, and so she would write a chapter and send it to us and we would correct it because we wanted to make sure everything in our story was 100% true. Um, so it was really fantastic how she did it. Um, she is the type of writer who wants people, the readers to taste and smell and feel. She is just absolutely phenomenal. And it was really, really great writing with her. It made the process a lot easier because I'll tell you, we, Martin and I were a little bit scared huh? not knowing how to write a book, but um, with Liz's help and guidance, we were able to do that well. Yeah, so I think it's like really interesting how you're not an author, but you still created like this amazing like best-selling book. So how was the response um, when you first published it? What was it like? Because I know sometimes books just don't really go anywhere. So how did you publicize it? And what was the response like? So we had a really great team at Little Brown um, who was very interested in our story before it was even written. We got very lucky that our editor is just, she is phenomenal and she really felt our story and felt that the world needed to hear it. Martin and I were nervous because we're normal people, right? During this, I I, our book was published. I had two babies. I was working as a nurse. I'm just a normal person. Martin was busy with school studying and trying to make it in his career. And so we were just normal people. We, we didn't know what it, the response was going to be like. And our editor Farron just said, it's going to be great. We know teenagers will love it because you guys were typical teenagers and um, we were really honest in our story. So when our book was published, we had a huge response by people all over the world that were reading it. It was so crazy and we were so excited, actually like really taken back and humbled by the amazing uh, response we got from people. Um, schools started buying it up and making it part of their required reading in their curriculum. Most middle schools and high schools in the United States and Canada have made it part of their curriculum. So it's really, really, really cool. And I always thought, I don't know what people would ever see in our story because we were just doing what our hearts felt. Um, but seeing where our kindness to each other 
has has led other people and what they're doing in the world has been the best uh biggest achievement we have ever had with our story being out there and it's absolutely humbling to know that people are going and spreading kindness and it's just absolutely fantastic we never really thought that it would go anywhere or be a book because we never had that intention our intention was that we were just two kids helping each other um in the world and just two kids being kind and we didn't really think it was anything unusual because it was just the right thing to do and we just it was just our life that we lived and we didn't really think anybody would be interested in it so to see the amount of people that it has touched um has been pretty amazing when I started reading your book it said that you were just like a regular 11 or 12 year old girl um and let's say that you had just like stayed as that 11 or 12 year old, um, if you hadn't had this relationship with Mr. Gonda, how do you think your life would have been different right now? Not just like that you wouldn't have published this book, but you as a person, how do you think that would have been different? So I do think about this often. Um, it's definitely a question we get asked a lot. Uh, with Martin, I know that he would have been successful no matter what. Uh, Martin has always been so smart and determined and hardworking, and he would have been successful no matter what. He just didn't have the resources that we had here in our family and in the United States that um, helped him get to where he is quicker. Um, but me, I don't know, because Martin opened my eyes to the world, and he really made me see clearly. And I, my parents tried their best to do that, but sometimes it takes that neutral party that you don't know very well to open your eyes to the world. But my parents took us all over the world. We traveled lots of places, but I never really thought outside of that little bubble. So I, I, I really do hope that it, I would have um, become more open to the rest of the world, even without knowing Martin, but thankfully with Martin, he, he really did open my eyes. Now I really give a, a lot of credit to him because he opened up my eyes. Um, I was able to form a relationship with my husband who is from Belarus, um, which is in Eastern Europe. It's considered to be Europe's last dictatorship. My husband and I are culturally very different. We have very different upbringings as he was born and raised in the Soviet Union. Um, so knowing Martin and the world, uh, it made it much easier for my husband and I to be together. And I'm so grateful because he's amazing and he's my absolute best friend. And we have two beautiful daughters and without Martin showing me the world and culture and just um, kindness and being true to yourself. I am, I was able to have this life with my husband and our daughters. Yeah. I think that's like a really sweet story. Um, but how were your like friends and family, what were their reactions to your like relationship with someone like across the world? Were they supportive or, um, you know, I know your family was very supportive, which I think is great. But what about like when you told other people, like your friends or your teachers, like what did they, what did they say? 
So all of my teachers were very supportive as well as my family. My parents are like my biggest fans and they have supported me since day one because they knew my heart was in the right place and they did whatever they could to help Martin and I achieve the goals that we wanted. Um, our, we had some friends, uh, neighbors, things like that, where they would say, but what if it's a scam? Because you have to understand at this time when Martin and I started doing this, like the internet was new, which is a crazy thing to think about that the internet was new, right? But the internet was new. And this is when these scams started coming out. So you would get an email saying, I am a prince. If you send me $3,000, I'll send you 3 million. And people would send money and that's how these scams, that's kind of where they all started. So people were a little bit leery um, about this friendship, but I never was leery. I never felt anything different. Martin was my best friend and he was real. Martin never asked me. We were friends before I started sending money. We were friends before um, we really got deep into this relationship and um, into getting him to the United States. But um, some people said, well, what if it's a scam? And my mom said, well, if it's a scam, then shame on him. And if it's not a scam and we don't do anything about it, then shame on us. So that's just how we went about it. I had friends at school. Um, and I, when I say friends, I'm going to put it in quotes, right? Friends um, who would tease me, who would call him my African boyfriend, when in reality, he was my best friend. It didn't matter where he was from or what color he was, what religion, anything. He was my best friend. Martin listened to me and he cared about me. He loved me for me and he was kind to me. And he was the reason I wanted to surround myself with people just like that. I quickly learned who my real friends were. Um, and I started washing my hands of those people that were talking about me because your real friends will never put you down. They'll only ever lift you up. So I started getting rid of those people in my life that would tease me about him and um, just focus on all the positives and the people that made my life um, better and made me happy. So when you did like create this like relationship with Mr. Gonda and when you started writing this book, what was like the main thing that you were learning besides like to be more culturally aware, like in your mind, what was like the main um, kind of like, I don't know, like lesson that you were kind of learning? So one thing I learned um, was that we are all so similar we all have these amazing differences that connect us like through the world and they should be celebrated, but we are all so similar as well. And I really learned that our color and our religion didn't define us, our hearts and what we were doing in the world. If we were being good and we were being kind and we were uh, brave, that was what that's what connected us. And that is the most important thing for Martin and I together. And to like kids who want to become more culturally aware and spread awareness in their community, how would you suggest that the best way is to go about that? Because I know sometimes it's not always possible to like create like this pen pal relationship. Like what you guys had is. And do you and Mr. Gonda still keep in touch? Or um, is it like kind of more distant now? Or I think you said that you guys 
um, call each other sister and brother. Is he adopted into your family now? So we never legally adopted him, but he is 100% my brother and he's my parents' son and he calls them mom and dad, but his parents in Zimbabwe call me their daughter. They call my children, their grandchildren. My mother-in-law who lives in Eastern Europe calls Martin her son. We have a very huge multicultural family who respects each other. And that's what it comes down to. We respect each other's struggles and achievements and we love each other regardless. So um, yes, we are definitely brother and sister. Um, and that is just because that is how close we are. And we do get to talk to each other often. Um, I live probably like an hour and a half from New York City and he lives in New York City now. So we got to see each other pre-COVID. We got to see each other pretty often. My kids just love, love, love their Uncle Marty. And he loves just taking them and showing them the beauty of New York City and all the magic that it holds. Um, so we were really excited to be able to get to go back to New York and see him again soon. And any last words for like kids, you know, anything that you want to say? I just want everybody to remember that kindness truly is contagious and it's very important to remember to choose kind words in person and behind your screen because we really don't know what other people are going through in life and your words can truly make it or break it for someone. So please remember to always choose kind words in person and behind your screens. Um, and also if you like our story, if you love it and want to see it made into a movie, please hashtag it. That's what uh, we have a lot of interest from producers and that's what they are looking for to see it hashtagged on social media. And um, yeah, you can always follow me on any of my sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever I'm on there. And if you write to me, I will always write back to you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ms. Ala Franca. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I'm sorry. That was good. Um, no, that was good. <laughs> Today, we've been joined by Caitlin Alafranca. She's the New York Times bestselling author of I Will Always Write Back. Thank you for being here, Ms. Alafranca.